Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Episode 80, BJN Radio. Coombsy, a sweep, a sweep, a four-game sweep. The Jays did it. They rolled out to Anaheim and they took all of them. What a series win. This was not something either of us was expecting. We said on the last one, Split. That's great. You yep. roll in. Anaheim's quite good this year. They hit very well. Their pitching is better than it has been in a long time. They added a bunch of under the radar starting pitchers. They added some relievers and their pitching's not bad. And yep. they're a good team. I think they, they had a significantly better run differential coming into the series than the Jays did. Mm-hmm. And the Jays bats woke up. It was actually very much so a 2021 Blue Jays feeling series with a lot of runs scored and a lot of lead changes. And I felt kind of as that series progressed, also coupled with the St. Louis series before that, when the bats started to look quite good, it felt like even when they blew a lead or when they went down, that they could score runs and bring it back, which is a very nice feeling to have because that has not been the case at all this year, really. Well, in the eighth and ninth innings combined, the Jays scored seven runs in this series, which is not an eye popping total by any means. But when you consider the state of this team and their inability to both hit in the clutch and hit with runners in scoring position throughout the last month, more or less. The fact that they came through every game and put up a run or more in either the eighth or ninth inning is huge. And, you know, maybe it gives Jays fans reason to believe that the runners in scoring position thing, it it was just eventually going to come back. It wasn't actually an issue. It was just a combination of bad luck and the random slow stretches you go through at different points of a season. Yeah, it's just baseball, right? Like, I mean, at any given time, when you look at a season, no matter how good the offense is, I mean, there's going to be seasons where this probably doesn't happen. Like in 2015, for example, they didn't really have too many cold streaks, but mm-hmm. most baseball teams, you look at it, and they're going to have a few weeks of bad stretches. Usually it's not necessarily right off the hop like it was this year. And that kind of amplified everything, but there was no way the offense was going to be this bad all year. It's not like they were going to be, you know, in the basement of the league of drawing walks or striking out. They're not going to put up like a 675 OPS for the entirety of the season. Eventually guys like Lourdes Gurriel and Boba shit or Boba shit. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Boba shit. Teoscar Hernandez. 
<laughs> so bad. Um, eventually, they're going to turn it around, start to hit. That's why I said Boba Shix. I was Boba hit. Yeah. I don't know. I can't. I can't rescue myself from that one. That was oh, bad. One. That's a tough one. That's a that that's a tough one. Yeah. Uh, um. What was I even saying? What, what was my what just was my talking plan? about how they were due to bounce back, and that's baseball. There we go. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. They weren't going to be bad all season. Here it is. Now we're regressing to the mean. It's going to be very fun to watch because guys have been so bad for so long, and they're going to reg- they're going to regress to their career averages, and they're all, a handful of guys are going to get hot at the same time. Yeah. There it is. Coherent thought. They scored an RBI with two out in three of the four games. Uh, we're going to go through this thing. Uh, well, we're going to do our three up, three down. We'll go through all the games. As always, our podcast is brought to you by our friends at DoorDash. Promo code BJNPODDD gets first time users of the app 25% off and no delivery fees. Shout out to DoorDash. So let's start like we'll get into th- okay, three up. Let's start with this. They scored five on Shohei Otani. And that is really damn impressive because he's a very good pitcher. Um, he's a guy who's, you know, kind of in that top five ish running for the Cy Young this season. He's putting together a solid year and the Jays found a way to get to him. Yes, they struck out 10 times, but they put up five runs on a guy who's very, very good. And the thing I liked about this game is it was the Jays big guns setting the tone. Springer, two hits in an RBI. Espinal had a hit in an RBI. Guerrero hitting an RBI. Bo Bichette had two hits as well. Two RBIs like the top of the order took care of business. And I loved seeing that. There's a fun, a funky little stat here uh, that really looked like it was kind of a scheduled loss. It was Otani's coming in. You know, he's a high strikeout pitcher. He's going to mow the Jays down. Then Ryu's going for the Jays. You know, um, Anaheim has a lot of good right-handed bats, like Mike Trout, for example. It just looks like a game they're not going to win. And then Otani comes into that game with a 2.82 ERA, and the Jays tagged him for far and away his worst game of the season. And now his ERA is at 3.45. So they raised his ERA like 63 points (laughs) in one go. And like you said, it's the uh, it's the big guys all coming through for them, like the George Springer home run in the first inning. I felt really set the tempo for the entire series. Yeah. That was just such an unbelievably good way to start things off. And then on the other hand, in that game, you have Kenjin um, Ryu putting together a, a good start against, again, a very good lineup. He goes five innings, only six hits, one, ro- one walk. You don't love to only see one strikeout, but it's only yeah. two earned runs. And I mean, we, <laughs> you and I were pretty quick to write Ryu off. We're like, can this guy become like a good long guy out of the bullpen? Like, what are they going to do? And since coming back from the injured list with left arm shittiness, he's been exactly what the Jays need as a middle of the rotation arm. He goes in against Anaheim again, very good offense. And he just gives them exactly what they need. And if we keep getting this from Ryu, five innings, two, three earned runs, perfectly fine. In his first two starts this season, his ERA was 13.5. He gave up 11 earned runs over seven and a third. Not good. Since coming back from the IL, he's only allowed three earned runs in 15 and two thirds innings. It's good teams too. Yeah. Tampa and Anaheim. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really impressive. Like, I mean... Getting that from your fourth or fifth starter, like you said, even if his, like it, he's going to slip up eventually, like he's not going to have a 1.72 ERA for the rest of the season. That's likely not happening here. Um, but if he can give them anywhere close to this, then then you're thrilled with what you're getting out of a guy that's fourth or fifth in your rotation. So that first game, there were a lot of positives that came out of there. Um, one guy who had a really strong series as a whole, and he was specifically very good in the last game as well with a five RBI, and that's Lourdes Gurriel Jr. And I saw you sent out the tweet that, you know, you're very much here for a Lourdes Gurriel heater. And, a, you know, there's always that stretch every season. 
It feels like it usually comes in like August or September, but maybe that's just in my mind. But you always get that stretch where he is one of the best hitters in baseball for like two or three weeks. Maybe that's the start of this. Yeah, I've said it before on this podcast, and I will continue to bang the drum on this thing, is that the offense lives and dies with Guriel. <laughs> he's, you know, despite the fact he's not anywhere near the face of the team, he's not the best hitter on the team. He's, you know, you have much bigger names, Bo Vlad, Springer, Tay Oscar, whatever. But Guriel is the one guy that when he gets hot, he makes the lineup so much deeper and so much better. And it seems that every time he goes on one of his big hot streaks, the entire team does because now all of a sudden you have this guy batting like sixth or seventh who's putting up like a 1200 OPS and he's just hitting everything. It's a double, yeah. it's a home run, whatever he's, he's even, he's another one of those batters that's super strikeout happy, but now he's drawing walks, walks, which you love to see. So in that series, he put up a, a slash line of three, 385 average, 529 on base and 615 slugging. And um, now for the season, he's all the way up to, uh, I guess, all the way up to a 650. OPS doesn't sound very good, but that was his OPS was super low before that. It was in the 500s for like a good chunk of the season. And now it looks like he's finally turned a corner and he's finally going to go nuclear. And if Guriel goes nuclear, then the whole team's going to operate. It just seems like they're ready to click. And he's always at the middle of that. In the last week, in the last seven games here, he has walked more than he struck out. That's really good. And again, you said it it, he just he just makes the lineup so much deeper, like looking at the spots he was hitting in this series, like he hit eighth in the first game and he finds a way to walk twice. OK, well, that just extends things right. That gets you to that top of the order, which was dangerous in the first game. But Guriel walking twice extends innings, gets Springer up again, gets Vladdy an extra AB over the course of a game, too. Right. So that that was great. Again, he hits eighth in the second game, goes three for four, just extending the lineup a little bit. And it's actually kind of funny how they moved him up for the one game. Right. And he was batting sixth. And that's the game he went over, which I thought was kind of funny. And then he bounces back in the series finale. So, yeah, you're right. He, he's an outsider, someone who doesn't watch this team every game would sit there and be like, ah, yeah, Guriel, the guy who hits like seventh or eighth. That's great. But when you actually watch this team, you see how important it is to have a guy like Guriel hitting because of how it just keeps the train moving. Right. Um, the third one we have the catching tandem for the Jays. Boy, that's a it's a solid weekend for the catching tandem. It's certainly become a thing for the Jays. And it's kind of funny if you're somebody who's followed the Blue Jays for years, that there always seems to be a hot shot catching prospect in the system. There's a catcher of the future who never comes into fruition. The first one that I can really remember was Curtis Thigpen. <laughs> and then there's, you know, JP Aaron CBA, and he comes up and has his amazing debut. And then it turns out that he can't hit or catch. And then, you know, there's Travis Darnode who <laughs> winds up being quite good, but he's traded away in the R.A. Dickey trade. Mm-hmm. And they've, they've cycled through like a million different catches of the future. And it just hasn't really happened. But now here we are. And there's Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk. And Danny Jansen, as we know, as since he's come up, has always been a good defensive catcher. He's been a gold club finalist. And now it seems his hitting's coming around. He hits a home run in like every fourth at bat. Like, you know, every, every few games, this guy hits a dinger. And then Alejandro Kirk now, has after a bit of a slow start to the season kind of found his rhythm offensively. And he's also a really good defensive catcher. And um, um, Kirk, it seems now like every time he comes up, it's impossible that he's going to strike out. He goes like a week at a time without striking out. Every time he's up, he puts the ball in play this series. He goes five for nine with no strikeouts, just like a ridiculously good series with the bat. And another guy who again, makes the lineup significantly deeper. And it's great to see them all kind of clicking at the same time. Yeah, it's this is kind of the offense we were 
expecting, right? This is the way things were supposed to go from day one for this team, where you have the big guns up top and then guys like Guriel and Kirk are picking up the bottom of the lineup and keeping things rolling. So that was great to see. I mean, Danny Jansen just doing what he does. It's really nice that the Jays have a tandem like this behind the plate that they can just rely on. They can rotate the two of them. You DH Kirk once in a while. Like it just seems to really, really work for them. Um, So those are three ups, but honestly, so much good happened that I don't think we should stop there. Like they scored 27 runs against the LA Angels. That's a damn good weekend. Uh, But the pitching, right? We'll get to our down and there is only one down from this series. And it was a starter who was in the last game of the series. But the bullpen was very, very impressive this weekend. Yeah, there was one bullpen or one reliever that I wanted to shout out specifically. And that was Jimmy Garcia, who had three scoreless frames. The in in the final game, the fourth game with the sweep, the you know the lead changes like a half dozen times. The Jays end up winning eleven to ten. They had that huge rally late, where um, there's a dinger and they score another run to go ahead. And then Garcia comes in, and you're going up against the the top of Anaheim's order. You're going to see Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. It's a uh, it's about as difficult as it gets when you're going up against a team late in the game. But Garcia shuts them down, and he struck out a lot of guys in that series. And it also did it in the time when Jordan Romano wasn't available. So that's a huge positive to see. Uh, coming into the season, there was talk that Garcia would be kind of the de facto closer when Romano is not available. And his start to the season while he was getting outs and he was getting through innings um, without allowing runs, he wasn't striking anybody out, which was a little worrying. You you know, his historically when he's been effective, he's been striking a bunch of guys out. And that's what we've seen recently. So that's extremely positive. I also felt David Phelps in that series looked really good. He came yeah. into the games and again, was just like, looked like a lockdown veteran, which was great. Adam Simber had some good performances um, on the bit more negative side. I don't really want to be too negative, but there was a couple, um, a couple of arms in this series looked quite bad. Ryan Baraki came in uh, the Sunday game and yeah. looked nowhere near what he used to be when we were very excited about him. Julian Merriweather, same thing, allowing more home runs. Those are two young arms that we kind of thought, well, they're not really young anymore, really. Those are two arms that 30, thought, yeah. Yeah, they, they seem like young arms, but they're really not. They've been around forever. Those are those are two arms where you think, geez, these could be game changers in the bullpen if they're good. And they haven't been. So it's it's good to see the Jays getting good relief pitching from some of their arms, but it does also look like not to the same extent as last year, but finding more relievers as the season goes along is going to be a priority for the front office. Yeah. Um, Merriweather specifically, like you think back to last season and the way he started and how excited we all got about that. And then this year is like, oh, if, if Merriweather can just be healthy, like he's going to be an important part of this bullpen. And well, he's got a 7.82 ERA this year and, and he just he's simply not a guy you can really trust right now. Hey, well, um, in positive news, Nate Pearson is pitching. Ah, he's pitching for the low A Dunedin baby Blue Jays. He had an outing in which he went one and two thirds and allowed an earned run and struck out one guy and walked one guy. So a ways away for Pearson, but maybe he can come up and be the answer. Odds are they're probably going to have to trade for somebody. I would like to see them acquire another left-handed arm specifically. But lefty arm, lefty bat, right? That those, those are what we're kind of pinpointing is the early deadline needs for the Jays. Yes. Elite lefty bat contact hitter. Yeah. Elite lefty reliever. Shutdown arm. There you go. There you go. Hire yeah. us. 
the down. Uh, when you sweep a team in four games and you're out on the coast, hard to complain about anything, but maybe a little concerning that Jose Barrios didn't look good in that uh, in that series finale. He only goes, I mean, he can't get out of the third inning, gives up six earned, and that taxes the bullpen when your starter can't get out of the third inning. And in back-to-back, or in two starts, he's now allowed nine earned runs over his last eight and two-thirds innings. Hey, I, thought he, I thought he was good in his last few outings. So yeah, St. Louis, I, I know he gave up the earned runs. You're right. Yeah. St. Louis, he was good. He struck out seven. Because they stretched him out in that game. The bullpen was tired, so they brought him out probably longer than they should have. Uh, he winds up getting tagged for a couple of extra runs in the seventh inning when he goes out in the Seattle game uh, a couple weeks ago. He was very good. Uh, he goes seven innings, shut out. Uh, only six hits, four strikeouts. That's great. And it's disappointing because it looked like he had turned a corner And then he goes and has his worst start since that meltdown on opening day against Texas. And the peripherals look really bad too. The velocity is not there. Uh, The ball is not breaking as much as it has in the past. Um, Like if you just look at his baseball savant page, it's a whole bunch of blue. And he looks like, he looks like, uh, like a, like a quadruple a call up type. Like one of those, one of those like Sam Gavilio arms who comes in and just logs in. That's, that's what his peripherals look like right now, which isn't ideal. And you have to wonder if there's something going on. Maybe he's dealing with, I, I'm just completely guessing. Yeah. I'm just speculating. So there's nothing based, not, there's nothing to base this on maybe, you know, a blister or nagging injury or something. Um, maybe like, you know, we saw Hyunjin Ryu go on the injured list for a while with left arm shittiness and he comes back and now he's been quite effective. Maybe it's time for Barrios to take a right arm shitting this vacation for a couple of weeks and just get right. I mean, Ross stripling filled in quite well for Ryu when he was gone. I don't think it'd be a problem to bring stripling back into the rotation and give him a rip for a couple of weeks so that Barrios can figure it out because this is not the Barrios that has been a very good pitcher for a very long time. I mean, when the Jays acquired Barrios last year, he was, you know, the reason they did it is because he's a, he's a workhorse who had, who's like tremendously durable, always pitches a bunch of innings. He's not necessarily an ace. He's not, you know, eight innings, 12 strikeouts, that kind of thing. He's a reliable quality starter who puts up quality starts. And that has not been the case this year. He hasn't really strung together back to back consecutive good outings. It's been a good one, a mediocre one, a bad one, that kind of in rotation. And that's not really what you want. It'll be interesting to see, like, if there is knock on wood, another bad start in his future here in the next couple. Do the Jays kind of do something to take some action? I I don't know. Like, you're right. It did work with Ryu. So maybe if you sit down Barrios for a little bit, it could it could just give him some time to, like you said, get right. Work with Pete Walker, dissect things, figure out what's going on and come back better than ever. Because if you're going to do that, I think you need to do it in early June. I don't think that's something where you can just shelve him for two weeks in July because he's now had four straight, you know, subpar starts and the peripherals aren't getting better and things like that. Like if you're going to do it, I think you have to do it sooner rather than later and take that plunge. Yeah. Get it sorted out now, because if this is going to be a thing for the entire year, yeah. then maybe adding a depth starting pitcher becomes a priority rather than a luxury. Yeah, maybe. Like I don't, I don't, again, I'm not going to write Jose Barrios off for the entire no. season for fuck's sake. That, that, that'd be an insane thing to do, but it's not, it's not encouraging right now. And it's, it seems like maybe giving him a little <laughs> injured list. It might be the move. Uh, the other down we have is uh, something that popped up on Twitter um, from, from B Benton 99, who says that they've been talking with Charlie Montoya's wife and that there've been fans messaging her and their kids, hateful things. Um, you used the line earlier, 
that it's just baseball. And it is like if you're going out of your way to message really anyone with like hateful shit about a sports team, you're automatically like low level scum and probably don't even deserve our attention. But like it goes without saying why? Like, don't do that shit. Yeah, I can't I can't even really like put into words how like unnecessary that is. Like you, you see it all the time, too. Yeah. Like you see even the NHL, like Nazem Kadri is the uh, receiving a tremendous amount of yeah. hate for the series with St. Louis. That sucks. You hate to see that. Um, Ethan Bear got that from the Oilers mm-hmm. uh, when they got swept by the Jets. Um, we don't know the specifics of what Charlie Montoyo is dealing with, if it's at all racially motivated or if it's just fuck you, you're a shitty manager, kill yourself, weird incel internet freak shit. But I mean, to take, to take kind of a step back from it, uh, beyond just it being completely insane. I truly have no idea how anybody can dislike Charlie Montoyo that much. Like, I don't even think he's a, I don't even think he's a bad manager. Like even if you're one of those like hardcore baseball nerds who like demands a game be managed in a certain way. And you just think you're right all the time, uh, whatever. Sure. You, you, you think, you know, fine, but the guy's so wildly likable, right? So he's so upbeat. He's so positive very endearing. I, I really can't wrap my head around it at all. I don't, I, I don't know. Just, uh, I don't know. Maybe this is, this is not what watching baseball should be about. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be, it shouldn't be resulting in these kinds of emotions. You shouldn't be getting this worked up. You shouldn't be getting this aggressive on the internet with strangers. Yeah. If, if you're getting this upset about the manager of the Toronto blue Jays, maybe fucking up every week or that's about how often it is with Charlie. Then I, I think you maybe should just stop. Go find a different hobby, one where you're not interacting with other people, (laughs) you know, isolate yourself a little bit. I just, yeah, I don't mean to like be on too much of a high horse here, but I think most of our listeners would agree that like, like you said, if you're getting so worked up about the decisions Charlie Montoyo is making that you're finding his wife on Instagram and messaging her stuff like that's just it goes without saying that's like loser mentality. Like, what are you doing? Like, just do something else with your time. Get into like cooking or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, do stop do watching baseball. Do something constructive. That's just sad. It's yeah. embarrassing. Like, I, I I feel bad for him and his family, but I'm also just at a point where like this is so omnipresent in like online life, and it's just so uh, it's so mentally exhausting to even like talk about it. I know. Yeah, it's dumb. It's dumb. But anyways, that's a wrap on three up, three down. Overall, good vibes because the Toronto Blue Jays took four in a row from the L.A. Angels. They've now won or they're on their longest winning streak of the season, correct? At five games? Five games. That's right. The longest had been four games. That was in April. Yep. Uh, that's eh, life's pretty good, good right now. Uh, they're now five and a half back of the Yankees after the Yankees dropped two of three against the Tampa Bay Rays, which is really the best way for that series to play out where the Rays didn't really mm-hmm. gain on you all that much. And uh, the Yankees, you managed to gain what two, three games on them there in that stretch. So you're only five and a half back of the Yankees. I'll ask you this. Is it realistic to expect that the Jays will catch the Yankees at some point this season? I think the Yankees are due at some point for a cold streak. They're a good team, but they're not this good. They've yeah. been, they've been chugging along. They all, they, the series against Tampa, like they never lose a series. Mm-hmm. I, uh, they've just been chugging along with, shockingly little adversity so far, but you kind of look at, you look at the team and you're like, this lineup is eventually going to go cold. It has to, because there isn't a tremendous amount of depth. They're really relying on just a few bats and some very good pitching. And a lot of that very good pitching they're relying on is also a very good bullpen. So 
a team that kind of operates that way, top heavy lineup, amazing bullpen is probably prone for a cold streak at some point. Mm-hmm. And the key is going to be in the head to head. If the Jays want to catch the Yankees, they're going to have to do very well in the head to head. And they've already played the Yankees a whole bunch this year, which is kind of unfortunate. So it's going to be a, it's a, you know, it's an uphill climb, but yeah. it's not impossible. That's for sure. And now they're moving on to take on the Chicago White Sox. Uh, They'll play on Tuesday night, obviously an off day here on Monday. Uh, But the Jays back at the Dome, so you got to feel good about that. And they're playing a White Sox team that's really just been kind of ho-hum, pretty average all season recently, however you want to spin it. They're dead even 500 on the year. They're dead even 500 in their last 10 games. They are below 500 when playing teams who are above 500. eh? Seven and 10 against pretty much good or average baseball teams this season. And I interesting, you know, this is a Chicago team who had high expectations coming into the year, and it's been a bit of a rocky start to their season at some points. Not certainly not as good as they would have hoped. This is again for the Jays. There's no series that isn't winnable. And I think that holds true here in in this set. I would be expecting two out of three. Um, And yeah, if you're the Jays, you're looking at a team that's 500 and going, yeah, we can beat these guys. I think the White Sox are frauds. Really? I've been saying, I've been, I said that when we did our, 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 our year preview too, because you know, they won the American league central last year quite handily. But if you looked at their record against like how they did against good teams, they weren't good at all. Yeah. You know, they, um, they, they're the benefactor of playing in a shitty division. They got to, um, you know, beat up on the tigers and the, the Kansas city Royals. And last year, Minnesota was really struggling for a whole variety of different reasons. But then you look at how they did, they were like, you know, they're one in five against the Yankees, two and five against Houston. Like they're not all that good. And look at their run differential right now. They garbage scored 167 and they've allowed 212. Like we get on the Jays for having a negative run differential and they're like five or six in the red or whatever it is now. The Anaheim series, <laughs> Chicago's Pythagorean wins loss record is 18 and 28. And that's bad. That's not even like, Oh, we're a little bit on the, uh, we're a little bit in the red. No, you're, you're well in the red. You're like a, a basement dwelling team. The, yeah. the, the white sucks um, on paper. They look a lot better. They have a lot of names. They should have a pretty good lineup. They have good starting pitching, but a pretty, well, you know, kind of hit and miss bullpen. They just, they, they, I don't know. They're just, they just seem like frauds to me. They just seem like, they just seem like a, a team that capitalizes on being in a shitty division. I don't find them intimidating at all. And they got a walk-off win over the Chicago Cubs yesterday, but in the process lost Tim Anderson, who's expected to be heading to the IL here. So Tim Anderson, he's their only good hitter. Yeah. He's there. He's the only guy with an average above 270 this year. He's batting 309. He's having a tremendous season, um, but they're going to be without their best hitter. And that's a big plus here, a big factor that plays into the Jays favor. This is also going to be the first time we see Reese McGuire come to town as an opponent. And oh, I'm shaking has, with the, at the idea of a Reese McGuire revenge game. Yeah. Reese McGuire revenge game is inevitable. So the Jays obviously need to call up Zach Collins just for the series, just to offset this. But yeah, Reese McGuire has a 463 OPS. He has not yet hit a home run in um, 82 plate appearances here. He's 14 hits. I'm stunned. I'm absolutely stunned. You thought that uh, you thought he was going to have a breakout offensively in Chicago. Yeah, I thought this was like his Zach year. Collins did here. Well, like Zach Collins <laughs> did for a week here, two weeks or whatever the hell it was. Um, it was a great week. There's also uh, speaking of former Blue Jays, the back end of Chicago's bullpen is mm. very former Blue Jays. 
It's uh, Liam Hendricks as the closer, of course. Liam Hendricks, fantastic closer, big contract, no problem there. And their setup guy is Kendall Graveman from the Josh Donaldson trade, who has uh, morphed into quite a good reliever. Ah. So more former Blue Jays there. Um, also, I got the uh, the Tim Anderson stats wrong. I was looking at last year's numbers. Uh, he's having a much better season than that. He's batting 356 this year. And uh, yeah, anyways. Looking at the offense, though, so we said Tim Anderson's the one good hitter on the White Sox. He has an 896 OPS. That leads the team. The next best guy is Andrew Vaughn, who has a 776 OPS. Then Luis Robert, who's 757 mm-hmm. is on the 10-day 10, 10 injured list. Yeah. So not a great offense for They're the White banged Sox. Up. They're pretty... They're banged up. Yeah, they've uh, they're they're pretty much a pitching only team right now. They also just designated Dallas Keuchel for assignment. Uh, mm-hmm. Dallas Keuchel has a 7.88 ERA. I'm not sure that even Pete Walker can fix that. Yikes! Uh, we're gonna see. It's gonna be good pitchers. Yeah, for, I was gonna um, say. Yeah, it's gonna be good pitchers, but it's also good pitchers for the Jays too. It's mm-hmm. uh, Lucas Giolito versus Kevin Gosman. That's a really good pitching matchup. Michael Kopech versus Hyunjin Ryu, and then Johnny Cueto versus Alec Manoa. I did not realize that Giovanni Cueto was still pitching, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> uh, yeah, he is. And it's interesting. The first two pitchers just really, really impressive. When you look at the fact Giolito's got like a 2.63 ERA, Michael Kopech leads the team or leads the White Sox in war as well. Uh, so far this season, just looking at Cueto's numbers, he's pitched in just over 18 innings and he's only allowed five earned runs. So he's having a pretty solid season as well. Um, coming off a year. Yeah. Like his ERA last year was 4.08 and this year it's 2.41. So yeah, the Jays are going to run into some tough pitching, but I think that comes at an okay time for Toronto because their bats are going, they got to some good pitching against the LA angels and you're back at the dome. So I have reasons to be optimistic here when you consider who the Jays are also sending to the bump. The fact the white Sox have been very average recently. They're missing two of their best hitters and the Jays seem to be picking up the pace a little bit offensively. I'm, I'm feeling good heading into this series. Gimsy. I am too. I think the Red Sox are frauds. And I think I'd be disappointed if it was anything less than a series win for the Jays in this. Mm -hmm. Yep. Same here. Same here. All right. We're going to wrap this thing up. Shout out to our friends at DoorDash and PointsBet Canada. As always, Coombsy, we will chat after this series. Best wishes. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.